So okay, but anyways, let's uh, let's move this into a uh, more uplifting conversation then. Sure. Coronavirus. Let's talk about drowning. Awesome. That's better. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. What's the solution? What is the solution? By the way, I got some bad news. Oh, well, I got a message oh, in my boy. in my email from uh, from Patty. Patty, your wife? No. Oh, P A D I P A D I Patty. Yeah. That said that diving is reopening, and uh, and other training news. Hmm. I just I, I had to I had to open it up, you know, and see what's uh it's it's a little, you know, uh fluff piece about, you know, getting your dive center ready and and how good it's gonna be if you're a diver, you know, because uh, classes will be less crowded and This is awesome. Thank you, COVID. Everybody ready back back to diving. And I figured, you know, being that we just finished up pandemic madness, that's kind of a sign that the world's getting back to normal too, which is a good thing because pandemic madness was killing me. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That was man. a it was a lot of work. Yeah, I can uh, I can vouch for that. It's uh, it is a lot of work keeping the pandemic madness going, and you you uh, especially near the end, I thought it would be less for you for you because you are doing the uh, vote counting, but it actually. I think it kind of stepped up a bit. Well, yeah, that and, you know, trying to to be wild and active and engaging oh. for that whole hour so that... You mean it's just a character you're playing? <laughs> In a way, <laughs> kind of, you know, it's it's uh, it's work to... I mean, just to get up there and talk for an hour Yes. on camera, you get those, like, long... Uh, I always hate having that, that long silence spot. The pause, so. yes. So I'm turned on, man. I, I flip I the switch before we go. And then those last couple of Zoom meetings, like with those after parties, you know, there too, you try to be constantly engaging with people. It's, it's a lot of work, let alone getting getting everything ready. So I'm, I'm glad that we're uh, just back to nice, easy recording with a cup of coffee in the mornings <laughs> <laughs> rather than hell that last one. That was like a that was a seven hour day by the time we we that finished starting recording doing the show that after party i was beat it's a it's a long time to be on and that is energy yeah. it's energy soaking out of you it just you know for me it's even worse you're you're you are a little bit more i shouldn't say a little bit you're you're a lot more um like you t- you you like to entertain you like to be in the spotlight i do not i've i've had four kids i've entertained a lot. I'm like, I don't want to be 
tab dancing for anybody anymore. No, I mean, I'm getting you a guitar. You go. Uh, I didn't. Did I tell you? Teach we, you a couple. <laughs> teach you a couple chords. <laughs> was, you know, anyway, I did this. I'm sending drum. you to open mic night it's, instead week. of. Uh, yeah, instead of talking. You know, I, I didn't tell you we got a piano. Oh, there you go. Yeah, nice, nice one. And uh, so everybody's been trying to learn to play it a little bit every day, kind of thing. So it's not too bad. A couple of kids are really, really into it. That's cool, man. That's yeah. cool. I, I wish uh, I wish I would have taken the time to learn piano. That's one of. I mean, I've got one downstairs. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm just drawn with doing. Yeah, that's my, yeah. just my typical personality. If I'm not doing doing something, I'm yeah looking for something else to do. You know, my fill the void. It's pulled in a million different ways, but don't stop for a minute. Don't stop right. swimming. You'll drown. You will drown. Which. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. What a perfect lead-up. Brando with the segue today. <laughs> I got a drowning story for you, buddy. Well, I think uh, it's not so much I had a perfect lead-up. I think you you coaxed me through it because I never know what we're going to talk about. So I know you try to, you're, you know, the art of the segue is a lot more complex than people might, you know think at first and it you, is. you try algorithms. to draw it out exactly it's like where do i where do i take this crazy person on the other end of the microphone here <laughs> to so that it's he a... will say something and you never know with me because i might say something completely utterly non-related and nonsensical and well it's a little bit like it, that it's rolling the that, dice. uh it's like that a little bit like that meme of charlie from uh a, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. The, try to explain the conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> with the lines going exactly. everywhere, like because exactly. it's so easy for the for my vague lead up to just get pulled in any direction. I always exactly. gotta try to figure out a way to come exactly. back to it. So when I get the opportunity, I gotta I gotta jump seize on. it. Carpe diem, man. Yeah. But yeah, I figured you know, at, seeing as we're getting back to reopening, diving back to normal, pandemic madness is. Is, is over. It's in the we books. We can get our our lives back to normal. I figured it would, is a good time for us to get back to the normal part of Great Dive Podcast that the people constantly love, and I've gotten you know a couple recent emails about it. And we're going to get back to the disaster lasagna stuff. I think you should give a little recap for those that are listening that weren't weren't uh, at Pandemic Madness, did not tune into the B Live or the. Um zoom meeting after because it was pretty it's pretty cool we had a couple of you know a couple more folks we had old jerry mcgee that we mentioned uh last week last week yeah yeah it was great having out. him pop in and chat with us yes super nice guy um and then of course for those that don't know larry green uh famous cave diving instructor down in florida uh, he doesn't like the legendary status, but he truly is a diving legend, and uh, he he took it from Jacques. Yeah, very exciting uh, finish to Pandemic Madness. Never uh, classic Cinderella story there, in a way, you know, uh, just a little cave instructor from Florida taking on the, the biggest name ever in scuba to walk away with a win with, you know, a, a lot of votes from a lot of people who, who dig what he had to say. Absolutely. So yeah, Super. it was great. So that one's in the books now to uh, to prepare for the next pandemic. So yeah, um, getting back to the heart of what we're the, the show today, 
is you know getting back to scuba accidents scuba accidents that you know in hindsight yes they're always preventable but in foresight they're things that the majority of them you see recurring in scuba and recurring decade after decade after decade after decade i mean you could go back to to accidents from 30 40 50 years ago and you see nearly some of these same things you see these issues of divers having issues with some of the most basic skills that you learn in scuba 101 yet out in the field out in the real world they really don't have that ingrained in them to work through the problem right they it's at the fundamental level that they you know the essential fundamental basic building block level where they don't have obviously either the the a thought process in place or the skill in place well and i think that's the right the issue of what you and i have talked about a lot it's definitely an issue of what we're going to look at today here and unfortunately with this whole covid-19 coronavirus issue that is bringing up all these restrictions in the shops i have a funny feeling Hmm. But there's a way that it's actually going to make things worse because getting a pool is difficult. Uh, getting time in the pool is going to become more expensive and more difficult. So you're going to see just a push to hurry up and get through these skills so that you can, quote, unquote, get out there and start diving to get the, the time and experience that you need. Rather than really building that foundation at the beginning hmm. and building a, a thought pattern with your instructor in the water it's just going to be assumed that hopefully that'll come to you later oh yeah that uh just get them to the point where they're introduced to the skill or mindset whatever it is and let it let it be assumed it will grow on their own versus the actual real mastery of it and then moved on yeah i get you not to mention i mean there's there's several little skill sets that you have to accomplish being closer than six feet. And right, right. now that they won't allow that, interesting. Not to mention when the divers are diving, there's a lot of people that are very, very, uh, I mean, they've taken this these COVID social distancing practices to the nth degree. And even if they were running out of gas, they'd be very leery about going swimming next to someone and, and asking for gas for help. <laughs> I think I, I, I know I, I it sounds I ridiculous, exactly, but I'm it like, sounds yeah. it sounds completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that's the <laughs> the fact of the matter. And you know, we've gotten a couple of comments and emails of from people about our skepticism in in ways uh, and leeriness of all, all the research yes. that are going on and and listen we're not out here saying that it's all false. You don't have to worry about it. But at, not at, at all. the same time, you got to be question. How do I want to say it? Yeah, you got you got to question things. And yes, you go out into public, you walk in through the store mm -hmm. just on the fact of you don't want to be seen as the asshole. But there's a big difference between being a responsible citizen, which you and I have never said not to be a responsible citizen right. in, in public. Right. My criticism was wearing a mask in a car. 
wearing a mask, walking by yourself down the street. You know, in the whole bed, in bed with your wife, wife at night, you right? Don't have masks on. Uh, that's that's the ridiculousness. There's no thought put into it. The mask is actually, it's not. You know, it's doing very little for you at that point, if anything. You look at how this is changing education, and then in scuba in particular, where you need to share gas, in mm-hmm. so many systems of, of gas sharing are a donate-from-the-mouth system, whether you're breathing a long hose or you're, you're on an air source, you know, integrated Air McDoodle-style system. You know, the, the, the response is now, well, do a fake donation. It's not going to cut but, but it. That's, that's not going to cut it in, in real life, no. And uh, I would say that when you're underwater, 100 feet, 20 feet, I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You need an involuntary response, instinctive response to a gas share. And I, I, I can understand, like, taking, taking some training, some continuing education training where you temporarily change around that air share a little bit, but you have to realize at some point you're going to have to build an involuntary muscle response to that situation. I, just just thinking that you know, we're always going to have masks on and, and we're not going to ever do that again is I don't, crazy talk. I don't really want to live in that world. Do you, do you want to live in a world where humans can't be closer than six feet? No, not, not at really. all. If I found out that was the rest of life, I would go out of my way to get coronavirus yeah, so I could just be fuck? done with it. I'm just, and I think that's where our little, you know, at least speaking for myself, my sarcastic remarks are aimed towards the idea that some people are fine with that, and and that scares me that they they don't really yeah. have that humanity in them. Like we are social people, we are social animals. We're this is what we are, and to to walk around purposely trying to stay one fathom away because uh, the box told me to. Right, exactly, exactly. A, a lot of sad. I mean, if you in a uh, hundred and seventy shows, if you haven't figured out that you and I talk like a couple of buddies talk, full of sarcasm, right, right, yeah. Never have we encouraged you to go down to the Lake of the Ozarks to party in a pool party with five thousand, <laughs> <laughs> you know, college kids. And, and spit and cough and sneeze in each other's faces. Exactly. Never have we done that. We're just two fed up old guys that want to get back to normal life. Is all right, or some semblance thereof. Right. So okay, but anyways, let's uh, let's move this into a uh, more uplifting conversation. Then, sure. Coronavirus. Let's talk about drowning. Awesome. That's better. <laughs> Let's talk about some lessons for life from Scuba Diving Magazine. Uh, This is one from 2015, written by an Eric Douglas, that you can find on their webpage at scubadiving.com. Lots of great old lessons for life that we like to come back to from time to time. And this one is one that is going to hit home, I think, for a lot of newly certified divers and divers who get their certification but aren't really sure they want to push on with continuing education much you know so they just stick with that basic little certification and they do basic little dives thinking that if i'm only staying 60 feet or so i'll be fine with just that you know little weekend class that i did and my just doing 
my simple basic dives. Yeah, they there is a I don't know. Do you, I think that's kind of a fallacy or misconception yeah, that you don't need to have the basics because you're going to only be at sixty feet or little recreational dives. You don't need to have a good grasp of them. Well, I that's what I think. What we were saying earlier yeah. is when you perceive your instructor as God, because and that's all you know. You're going to always hold that original instructor on a on a high pedestal. Generally speaking, in most in, most scuba instructors out there are good, fun people, for the most part. So you're going to have a good relationship with them. It's going to be a fun relationship. They're probably going to sell you on the fact of how easy it is, and you're going to have a great time, and you're going to see great, cool things. So you're going to walk away generally as a new diver that you did get good instruction. Yeah, but whether what are, you what are, whether you come back to think that way twenty years later or not, right? You just don't know yet because you haven't been true exposed to anything. Unless you get Tom, if you get Tom as your instructor, <laughs> well, <laughs> you got Tom, you're gonna know right away. You're done. You've you've already you've already went full Karen to the dive shop manager <laughs> and asked for a new instructor. Where's the manager? There's no way. There's no way I'm finishing this class with Tom. <laughs> and if we have any Karens listening, we're not talking about you. You're fine. <laughs> yes. If you're, well, if you're li- if you're if you just happen to be named Karen. Oh well. Yeah. You're pro- yeah. You, that doesn't mean you're, you're a Karen. And if the you're chances are to, though, chances well, are it, it, you chances might be are, a if Karen. You're, if you're listening to the Great Dive podcast week after week and you enjoy our sarcasm and humor. You're not you, a Karen. You're probably not a Karen, even no. if you're named Karen. No. You just got the the short short draw, the short stick on the, the doling out of names. That's not your fault. You didn't have any choice in the matter. Look into a name change. Because you don't deserve that that cross to bear. No, no, no. I would immediately change my name to Tiffany. Boom. Nailed it. Well, this story is not about a Karen or a Tiffany. It's about an Anne and a Bill. Ann and Bill. I'm I'm intrigued. You've piqued they, my interest. They are a couple that was really getting into scuba diving, like a, a lot of couples do. Take their class at the local Midwestern dive shop, get a couple of dives in at the quarry, start having some fun, start meeting some new people. They get involved in a like a new community of people and stick with it. Cool. Right, they're they're trying to get out and get some new experiences. Maybe uh, you know, change their social lives a little bit. Are they swingers? And, Are they swingers? <laughs> and and listen, you know, you get uh, you go down to the local quarry with uh, <laughs> with a group of uh, you know twenty other couples all crammed together <laughs> in RVs around a campfire. You never know what's gonna happen. I thought they were in one of those. Cheapo motels, you know that that seem get, to uh, litter the quarries and cave cave world. They uh, well, yeah, you get to one of those, you know, and uh, everybody's in the corner room. Well, we have a party in the corner room. It's a little bit bigger. <laughs> All of a sudden, floor three turns into a, just a big scuba party floor. It's, it's a scuborgy, a scuborgy they call it. <laughs> <laughs> a scorgy. A scorgy. Exactly. You ever been to a scorgy? 
I, I don't know. And knowing some of the divers, I know. No, I would never go. That would destroy. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, if you ever get an invite to room 312, <laughs> be aware. We're having a scorgy. Come on by. <laughs> Run. Burn the invite. Yeah, so let's get back to Ann and Bill, who, um, again, they were really getting into scuba diving. They had just gotten their invite to room 312. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, he knew. And uh, they're, down at, uh, they're down at the quarry for the weekend. Bill, Bill's right, like, so I'm the, finally going to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Twelve years of this marriage, <laughs> things are getting a little, well, things are getting a little stale around the the bedroom. the bedroom. Yeah, the bedroom had become more of a uh, another job, another another task for old. Right, they, old they've Bill got and a they've got an eleven year old, a nine year old, <laughs> a seven year old, right, and then that's it. Things have you know dried up since then. Yeah, it becomes more of an obligation than an actual, uh, you know, uh, let's have some fun thing. So, yeah, Bill. And it's, Bill, and it's more of like just get the like hurry up, get the job done and right, over with, exactly. Because you know, we got to, we got to get the kids to, you know, soccer basketball, yeah, you know, soccer practice and, and <laughs> ballet. Exactly, and and I think Bill felt bad about that, and he wanted to bring the old spark back. That's a, that's my take on it. Is he he wanted to bring the old spark back, the old uh, you, think, you know you that little Anne, feeling you had. You think Anne's gonna have the same thought about the the spark oh, of room three twelve <laughs> that, that Bill's? My that guess Bill, is probably not. And <laughs> Anne's a little more conservative, but those are the ones you got to watch out for sometimes too. William, what is this info? <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, it'll be fun. It says it's a scorgy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just some divers getting together. What is a scorgy anyway? Well, it's a special meeting. <laughs> it's probably, hey, baby, it's it's probably just a it's a funny play on words. You know, it's just a, some, right. Some scuba divers getting together for some laughs. It's an initiation into the club, into the scuba diving club. So their time at the at the quarry when they reached the platform sixty feet down, and noticed Bill was having trouble with his weight belt and moved it to help him out. She didn't expect it to be a problem. Fighting with the belt and his gear, Bill twisted to one side and knocked Ann's regulator from her mouth. Things went downhill from there. Yeah, I can see it happening. I mean, have you ever been in, uh, you know, with students or even other divers? And it's usually less experienced divers, but you you start to fix one little thing with them and they they get squirrely. They're moving around. You're just like, stand still. Hold on. Your tank strap is is loose. Let me go fix it. No, no, they're squirrely and turning around, and it becomes a, a big mess. Well, the, and the squirrely thing is so common with divers yeah. because they're underwater in scuba gear, but they still think like a land human. Right. Like they can turn around and fix their, right. their tank they, strap. They, they, they don't. Come on. Uh, they ha- it, it takes a while for the diver to internalize them being underwater, three-dimensional world, the resistance of the water column, mm-hmm. the inability to just turn and reach back, you know, like you've got clothes on versus all this gear on you. 
Right. And no barrier for the gravity. So if you lose your buoyancy control, it's not like a floor with gravity. You know, you consciously can't go any deeper when you're on a floor. But in midwater, something's going wrong and you, you're not in full control of your buoyancy. You just start sinking or, or rising. You don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy. And look, at the, and look at the case here. I mean, this is a common one is they're talking about they go down to this platform in 60 feet which is very common, right? right? So they go down, they get negatively buoyed on the bottom, right, so that they're stable. But have you ever seen, as an instructor, somebody with the ability to be negatively buoyant on a platform and still fall off of it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Because of this very thing, right? Yeah. They're, they're negative, but they've got no stable base. It's get on your knees they, they can't even stay balanced on their knees because you know the tanks pulling them backwards or the, right. their, their weight distribution's all jacked up and they still have an ability to fall when they're negatively buoyant there so this is not an uncommon sight oh no at all no you got forces pulling you in all directions you know weight belt pulling you down uh tank pulling you back uh the the gas in your bcd when you're kneeling there is up at your shoulders pulling you up and forward it's a you know it's a balancing act and then you got fins on you got fins which which you know kind of if you're kneeling on that platform and your fins are stretched out behind you it keeps wanting to plant you face down face forward so yeah there's a balancing act so that it's easy to lose lose balance and start getting squirrely okay so let's take a look at these two divers and 24 years old, in good health. She the average, an average Midwestern build. She went to a, she went to a small community college before enrolling in a, a larger state university? state university where she met Bill. Bill seemed nice. <laughs> Calm, cool. One of the guys, he beer bonged with her, you know. They, they, did, they, they had did, some fun. They did beer pong. Yes, exactly. Some quarters, that kind of thing. But See, now I'm starting to, to understand. Now I'm starting to understand why Bill got comfortable with asking her to room three twelve. <laughs> exactly. Well, they knew each other pretty well, and when you put it like this, it makes perfect sense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you know, with her her conservative Bill. Midwest upbringing, it it and repressed his, a lot of urges. And his engineering degree. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> She was, like a, she was a teacher. She was a teacher. He was an engineer. Safe, safe conservative home that uh, they could be comfortable in. Oh yeah, but those are those conservative ones. You got to watch it. The repressed sexual energies. <laughs> you know, it's gonna gonna come out somehow. Right. When you got the when you got the kids enrolled in the scouts, <laughs> you're in the PTA. Hmm. It's a recipe. You're you're putting in your ingredients. The, he's on the softball team. Yeah. And you know, Down. Bill Bill isn't what he used to be. He he's put a few pounds on around the waist. And that, that happens in that in that high stress work life. Well, yeah, and he's of not, trying to trying to make a living for your uh you know, your middle class midwestern family a little overstretched on the uh on the the mortgage. You, you got that bigger house. Oh yeah, it, it makes sense that uh, you know you're you're working a little bit more and not not getting to spend the time out at the gym like you used to when you're right. 
when you're uh, out playing the field in college. Right, yeah. More time at that desk, more time coming home tired. You're tired from the kids, the family. You don't have time for each other. You just you settle in. You just want to eat and go to bed and, you know, wake up the next morning and do it all over again. And that adds, you know, a few LBs there. And he, Although he's, he may not look like he used to, he still has those feelings. The, the, those feelings of... Of youth. Uh, oh, those youthful of youth. urges. Youthful urges, beer pong, <laughs> and waking up next to Anne yes. in the morning. And Anne kind of was succumbing to it herself. You know, she didn't have time to do yoga like she used to. She didn't have, you know, it was easy when she was younger. Now it's just, you know, tend to the kids. She she still kept her teaching job. And Bill was worried because there was a new substitute teacher. (laughs) Andy. Andy came in. He just started. Andy Klebowski. Mr. Klebowski is a science teacher. (laughs) They were both excited about dive travel opportunities and taking additional training. Both divers were using a mixture of rented and personal gear. They were buying pieces as they could afford it. Pretty common. Kind of common, kind of typical for those uh, new divers getting rolling, right? I did that. uh, get my certification, and, you know, next week uh, I pick up a wetsuit. A couple weeks later, finally get a BCD. Exactly. Right, uh, still need uh, still need that regulator. You know, I, I got my eye on a computer that I really want, and I'm saving up towards that. So, so I'm slowly putting things together. Got my tank knocker. <laughs> <laughs> Bought my own tank knocker. It's one of the first things. Kink, kink, kink. Or the duck noise. William, maker. <laughs> William, tink, 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 tink. William, is that you? William, where, where'd you swim off to, William? Tink, tink. Ding, 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 ding. You couldn't hear my tank knocker? Couldn't hear my duck squawker, underwater duck squawker? <laughs> exactly. And I'm over here. I wonder, I wonder how many listeners will lose for this from this one. <laughs> like, I love my duck squawker and tank knocker and split fins and air McDoodle and snorkel. Why are you, why are you always on me? <laughs> <laughs> well... It's great until you go down for a nice, relaxing, peaceful dive, uh-huh. and all you all you hear is, right. <laughs> yes. tink, 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 <laughs> tink, 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 and you don't know who's making <laughs> it. <laughs> You're looking all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> it could, you know, <laughs> coming from all over the place. What the hell? I'm I'm not even in their group, and I'm hearing that shit. Well, and I'm going. What here's the, the funny thing: is have you ever heard a, one of those tank quackers go off underwater, and have anyone? Look in the exact direction of where it went off. Well, no, no. <laughs> Everybody's like, left, right, up, down, turn, yes. spin, three sixty. Where was that coming from? Is that even my guy? If everybody's got <laughs> one, what is this gonna? What kind of craziness is gonna be going on there? If we all had tank tank squawkers, just think of it. Squawk, 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 squawk. Everybody, <laughs> I'd be like, shoot me, give me the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> The conditions that morning were comparable to what they had learned in. The water was cool, typical for the end of the season dive, and Ann and Bill were able to wear their normal wetsuits. They planned to make a fairly typical dive for the quarry. They were going to swim out to a marker buoy on the surface, 
and then descend to a platform 60 feet down. From there, they plan to work their way into shallow water, exploring some of the sunken attractions at the quarry. They had made the same basic dive several times before. Hmm. Not a, not a terrible plan. The only difference is... Scorching. Last last <laughs> night, last night they went to room to three twelve, <laughs> and they didn't. So they maybe didn't get enough sleep or something. I don't know, because we're we're coming up to the accident right now. Oh boy! Well, at least their dreams came true before they. <laughs> their scorgy dreams. When Ed and Bill arrived at the scourge, I mean the platform. <laughs> And noticed Bill was having trouble with his weight belt. He immediately kneeled on the platform, trying to get things under control. After watching Bill struggle for a minute, Anne moved in close to try and help him out. She was getting cold from sitting still on the platform and wanted to move the dive along. Six feet. Bill, Bill, let me help you with your belt. And we're supposed to stay six feet apart. <laughs> you didn't want to be six feet apart from Karen last night. <laughs> I knew we shouldn't have gone to room 312, William. You said you were okay with it. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I said we were going to go down and see what was happening. Well, you didn't seem to mind old Andy Bukowski or whatever his name is. I didn't was. know he took scuba classes. <laughs> He just happened to be there. <laughs> oh, interesting chance of events, I would say. Listen, you, you had no problem letting Karen help with your belt last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You got me. You got me on that one. Bill's BC was loose and moving out of place as he tried to get his weight belt buckled. And approached Bill just as he twisted to the side, slinging his BC around. The sudden movement knocked Anne's regulator from her mouth. Realizing what had happened, Bill immediately tried to help Anne recover her regulator. In the process of helping her, his weight belt came loose and dropped to the swim platform behind him. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, I, mean the, I was just going to say, you look at this, and this is... Not uncommon. So they're probably in seven mil wetsuits. You get down to 60 feet, it compresses to one third of what it was. Uh, so everything's loose on you now. Right. And you go to, you know, you go to tighten that weight belt. And of course, the, the BCD is swinging around because you're actually swimming in it. And yeah. So you probably, yeah. you, you probably never really clasped that yes. weight belt all the way because you went from the weight belt then to the BCD. Yeah. And then, it, and then uh, and, and all it takes mean that the weight belt, in theory, the idea is it's supposed to be a very simple, easy to pop mm -hmm. open and drop system. That's the whole premise behind using a quick release weight belt buckle. The thing about a quick release is when it's released, it comes off. It releases quickly. Yeah. Well, and you do learn, at least you're supposed to, you know, lay, lay horizontal, let it drape across your back if you've got to tighten it or, or move it or whatever. But if you're, if you're kneeling and you loosen that buckle to move it, it might just fall off. Right, right. And, um, you know, not, not to mention, I mean, how many times have you seen people in the weight belts 
or people with weight belts over the years where at the beginning when you're you're standing on the the shore getting ready to get in it looks great but by the time you get 60 feet underwater yeah. it's compressed the suits compressed like right. you said the the weights shift they're all slumped over they mm-hmm. move along the belt and they all go to one side the belt buckle is oh yeah to, you know it's so things get really wonky in that system especially to a for, for a new diver like still learning to, exactly. how to manage themselves and manage all this equipment underwater yeah i was going to say that that right there you look at you know you watch the old jacques Cousteau's or or Mike Nelson, or whatever, all these divers, and they have their weight belts on, and never have an issue with their weight belts, and they always look like they're perfectly in place. But that came from years of, you know, that's years of diving. In the beginning, when you're working with weight belts, you're like, this thing's a pain in the ass. So it says here, uh, Bill immediately began floating to the surface, and his weight belt was out of reach before he realized it. He began struggling to get back to the bottom, but in the process... Bill lost a fin, and his tank came loose from his BC. What? The? This is a mess. <laughs> this uh, yeah, is like a it. mess. Yeah. And and um, unfortunately, this this you see a lot as well is when when somebody does have an equipment issue, it generally snowballs into. You read my mind, man. Go ahead. No, you're reading my mind. That's a, I was just like the one equipment issue snowballs almost always. You know, the the weight belt thing causes them to start wiggling around and the BCD's loose and obviously the tank is falling out. The Then he's out of control going to the surface. Easy to lose crap. You know, you're out of control. You're trying to swim down, pressing on those fins, and obviously that's what, what happened with the fin, but... You know, it, it's Murphy's Law. Right. If things are going to go wrong, they're going to all go wrong at the worst possible moment kind of thing. So that's why I say you never, even with two, even as a single diver, you're still, you still got the invisible partner of Murphy. Things are going to go wrong at the worst possible time, period. Yeah, absolutely. And having, um, having things go wrong, scuba diving shouldn't be the, the the focus of the training and the big picture of this is what you do mm-hmm. to prevent things from going wrong it's like we were having that conversation with larry the other night and right. our little after party right the the correction is to build a skill set and a way of thinking underwater that you know how to work through the unknown problems that could occur right yeah because you can't possibly train for every single you know especially as you get into to technical and cave diving you can't train for every single possible episode or scenario you can't that could that could occur right you have to train a there's mindset. always something new that's going to mm-hmm. happen right train a mindset and then at the same time is when the the checklist for skills has yeah re- <laughs> you know uh recover a regulator check right. uh replace a weight belt check uh, <laughs> take a bcd unit on and off you know right uh check put a fin on uh, put your fin on right check right. but not so, all at once yeah. <laughs> right it, it's you know i guarantee they don't say it there but you know he's got a flooded mask in the middle oh, of this right now okay. too yeah. right he's uh he's probably 
coughing and choking on water coming in. Yeah. He was regulator himself. Yeah, loss of buoyancy the, control, et cetera. So when when the issues happen, right, there's also an impossible amount of ways that they could weave together and spin a completely new tale of scuba accident underwater. Right, right. There's multiple combinations of what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Right. And now, now for him, shooting to the surface... <clears throat> It's pretty unlikely that he's stopping. He's going up. Yeah, how's he but going? But the problem to? that we have is is what happens with Anne. Well, Anne's down there without a regulator in her mouth currently. Yeah, exactly. So Bill ascended all the way to the surface and was unable to descend again, obviously, right? That 7 mil suit has now fully expanded. Mm-hmm. When he realized Anne wasn't right behind him, he signaled to the shore for help. Two nearby divers responded quickly. But they didn't find Anne for another 15 minutes. When they finally located her, she was unconscious, and her regulator was still out of her mouth. On the surface, the rescuers began resuscitating efforts, but they were unsuccessful. Oh, and Anne's autopsy indicated she had drowned, obviously. Now, what they do here in the analysis is really good. They talk to the medical director of the Tobermory Hyperbaric Facility up in Ontario, Canada. One of uh, your and I's old favorite diving locale weekender uh, fun times. Uh, They talk to Dr. George Harper. So what year was this article again? This was from 2015. Oh, okay. So it's relatively recently. That's good. That's cool. They say that on the face of it, Some might suggest that the dive accident was caused by dive equipment. In reality, the accident was caused by the failure to properly use the equipment and respond to the problem. In the book, Scuba Diving Safety, Dan Orr and I, um, that would be Eric Douglas, who wrote this article, quoted the doctor saying, We are not able to document a single case in which equipment failure directly caused a diver's death or injury. It has been the diver's response to the problem that results in the pathology. Yeah, this is so crystal clear in my head. I'm trying to figure out how they, unless you're just trying to manipulate statistics for, for we want to show that training is fine, that it's an equipment problem. You know, why else would you say... Any of this is because of equipment. This is basically a I can't handle my equipment issue. Well, exactly right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there was a weight belt issue. Right. There was a, a not securing a tank issue fully right. into a BCD issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a equipment fit issue with uh, needing to readjust the BCD. Mm-hmm. There was a fin strap not being all the way up over the heel of the dive booty issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all of those are issues that you wouldn't be given a open water certification card if you weren't exposed to each of those you know situations indiv- individual right. individually. Right, you're talked you, you should at least be spoken to about it but a lot of it you should have been introduced on how to properly remedy the situation tank strap is pretty common all these are pretty common actually you see it in open water students and in newer divers even older divers sometimes the tank strap come off 
It happens. You know, if you get a rental BCD, crappy tank straps. Yeah, and uh, sure, you might be going through your pre-dive safety check before the dive, but once you get into the waters where you're, mm-hmm. where all the issues going to really come to light, especially for a new diver. Just, I mean, I mean, so many times I've I've seen new divers, new students that are going through a pre-dive safety check, and you get to the tank strap checking. That's clearly loose, and they just but they just look at it. Yeah, there's a tank strap there, and they check off the box. <laughs> right, I've seen numerous yeah. times where they don't. Uh, they're they're checking the tank valve, right? Right, and they grab it. Yes, there's a tank valve there, and <laughs> I'm confirming that it's still closed, mm. and they just move right on to the next one. Yeah, not really fully processing what's going on, and that's a, just a matter of of things being still new, having that nervous energy before a dive that it's so easy to try to like say hey hey, let's just ignore that and and stick to this acronym but but there's something that to be said for really internalizing and and properly processing what it is that you're doing because you're thinking agreed every diver has had a problem with a piece of equipment at one time or another as the saying goes if you haven't had a problem you aren't diving enough The key to problem management is to respond quickly and calmly and then move on. Losing control is the key to making a simple problem escalate into a bigger one. Bill was growing frustrated with his weight belt and probably a little nervous. He was so fixated on his problem that he didn't see Anne coming towards him. When she tried to help, his jerky movements knocked her regulator from her mouth. At this point, both divers were having problems, but neither problem was insurmountable. Anne could have moved back, recovered her regulator, and then signaled the bill to stop so she could help him. That didn't happen. Have you ever had a problem with scuba gear, James? Well, of course. (laughs) Have you ever had your tank knocker uh, fall off? (laughs) No, that's why I use the quacker. (laughs) (laughs) Quack, quack. I had too many problems where I couldn't reach my knocker, <laughs> and it made me lose my weight belt as I switched to the quacker. You were reaching for Ann's knocker. I, I gave her the invite <laughs> to room 312. Okay. I get you. Yeah, again, we, are, we, we play in an, intent, an equipment-intensive activity. To believe that you're never going to run into equipment problems is, is pretty foolish. You're always, even if you yeah. don't really have an equipment problem, you still have problems in the water all the time yeah. that steal your, steal your awareness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Tunnel I focus. Mean, you, yeah, yeah, you could look at um, visibility not being as good as you had hoped for. Mm-hmm. Could be enough, as simple as that, to take away your awareness from your teammate in the water. Oh, easily, yeah. You know, a, a, a little bit of a, a leak in your dry suit and your neck seal because mm-hmm. you didn't get the neck seal Folded, fully yeah. seated, right? So now you got water leaking in and you start fixating and focusing on that. You're not paying attention to the other stuff coming around. Uh, a bubbling, leaking uh, a connector at your uh, inflator mm-hmm. on your uh, for your... BC. Silly things. They're little things. The little SPG bubbles, you know, from your... Yeah, which isn't really... It's not really a problem, but it can manifest... Anything can, yeah. Anything that steals your focus, James, right? 
like people well, that so bring... there's the real thing right, right. i mean uh, i mean that's the, the the crux of it all right it's it's not the that tension. you had a, a problem with the fin after having the weight belt problem it's that it's it's taking your awareness away from the big right. picture which is you're underwater mm-hmm. right diving it's not like your shoelace coming untied while you're mountain biking that's a different game that is a di- that's mountain biking it's called mountain biking. It's completely different than scuba diving. <laughs> yes. No, nobody goes to the third floor at the mountain biking hotel. No, they're not at 312. No. And this, this brings me to thinking about, you know, people that want to bring a camera, a real camera, not, not just the GoPro you can hold in one hand, even though that will, you know, suck away a little bit of your situational awareness. But a real camera that's easily... A focus sucker like you have to you have to look strictly at the camera at many many moments of the dive yeah, l- yeah. And let me ask you this I mean, this is complete speculation but I, yeah. I think you and i have heard enough stories read enough articles seen enough things in real life to say that had bill had a camera with him right maybe he just bought that thousand dollar fifteen hundred dollar system from sea life He's got that with him, and maybe he recovered his weight belt, right? He didn't let that go, so he shot to the surface, but he dropped the camera from the platform, so now that's dropping into mm-hmm. 80, 90, 100 feet of water. After having knocked Ann's regulator out of her mouth, he's pro- that's probably not even going to register with him. Right. He's going to immediately go for the camera. the camera. And Ann's like, what about me? You were like this last night. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You get mm-hmm. you get fixated in that piece. I just spent fifteen hundred dollars for this thing. Mm-hmm. I can't lose it. Right. Yeah, it's easy to fixate. It's easy to to narrow your focus. And and that that I think is the bigger issue of all of this is the inability to remain situationally aware during any kind of mishap you know you, the narrowing of the focus is what gets you losing your partner you know it's just cave diving is great you know i, I hate to say like oh cave diving is where you, you learn everything but cave diving and and tech diving are the real tests for situational awareness because whenever anything happens when you know your mask floods gets kicked off where's where's the way home where's your buoyancy control where's your line you know are you are you paying attention to being inside of that cave getting twisted around when you lose your light you know that kind of thing all of these little mishaps can happen to you and you can't lose the awareness of exactly where you are and where your partner is where your team is and what your equipment is doing. Yeah, absolutely. And Eric writes in this story here about the recurring theme in this column, the Lessons for Life column, and often a recurring theme on our show, is that, uh, is that reaction that humans have that leads to panic. And he says, when panic sets in, so do perceptual narrowing and tunnel vision. This limits your reactions, keeping you from calmly thinking through a problem. 
Ann and Bill both panicked. Ann failed to recover her regulator, something every diver learns to do, and then failed to make an emergency ascent to the surface. Instead, she simply froze on the bottom and drowned with mostly full supply of air with a mostly full supply of air on her back. Bill panicked when he lost his weight belt, and his efforts to get back down to the bottom grew more and more erratic, causing him to lose a fin and dislodge his tank. Yeah. how I was just going to say, James, you, you read these, and how often do we hear, yeah, the, the body was found with, you know, mostly full bottles of gas or plenty of gas left. It's just the dead body that they could not the gas does no good if you can't breathe it if you can't get your regs yeah i mean all the gas in the world yeah or if you're panicking and you're over breathing the reg or you feel you can't get enough gas yeah how many times have you heard stories of people doing that and they abandon it right thinking Something's wrong with the regulator. It's not working, Mm -hmm. so they abandon it and just want to shoot to the surface because there's all the air in the world up there. Yes, exactly. You see that. And turn turn a very manageable situation. If you could calm down, get control of yourself, get your buoyancy squared away so that you're not fighting and working Mm -hmm. so hard. Not panicking. Let me ask you this, too. Not too far off the subject, but so this this idea of something goes wrong and then the the attention gets narrowed, it gets focused onto the one thing that's going wrong, and panic begins to set in. That root of panic, I like, you know, I think about this is where does it come from? Is instead of being in the moment and saying, I'm breathing, I'm gonna fix this problem, in their mind, they've already, you know, basically they've already died. They're like, you know, I can't fix this, everything goes wrong and I'm dead in their mind, which, which f- fuels that panic reaction. And this is how I think of it. This is what I think is going on in the diver's mind, is instead of being the moment, what have I got? I'm still breathing, having a little issue with my, my weight belt or whatever. In Anne's case, she wasn't breathing. Okay, what's the first thing I need to do? I need gas. I need to get my regulator. If, if you know. Right. So And then... Then focus know, on everything. Right. And panic takes that away. And uh, whether, you know, when you look at their situation of being on the platform in 60 feet, struggling, she swam over to help him, lost a, mm-hmm. lost a regulator. Now is she falling to the bottom? Right. Do you think right. both of them were in the, not in the moment in their heads? Both of them were literally in their minds already, you know, full panic dying we're out of control mode yeah i i would certainly you know looking back on what what information i have i i would certainly think that's the case otherwise they would have had the ability to work through the the basic thing that you learn in scuba 101 is stop breathe think and act right that's right but when when you've lost control of your mind Mm -hmm. It's hard to get it back if you don't have control of your breathing. Right. It's a snowball. You're right. That's yeah. where the snowball starts. It's mentally. Many divers never practice the emergency skills they were learned during their initial training. They don't review recovering a lost regulator or removing and replacing their weight belts. 
Both of these basic skills could have saved the dive, allowing both divers to continue on after a brief interruption. It easily could have turned out as something to laugh about later, just a minor blip. Everybody at the Scorgy would have been talking about it. <laughs> it would have it would have been the definite icebreaker to, to Saturday night's Scorgy. Scorgy. <laughs> now do you think they would have used room three twelve again Saturday night? Well, and and Friday night, or, or would they change up rooms on on Saturday? Good question, James. Great question. <laughs> as a no as a idea. as a as a man who's been to a couple of scourges, I was wondering if you could tell us if they, if they keep it the same night after night, so everybody knows to you be, always go to room three twelve. That I mean, that was the impression that I learned. You always go to the room three twelve. Admittedly, I've never been invited to a scourge. I've. Uh... <laughs> And I think I want to keep it that way. Knowing, knowing the divers that I know, I'm just going to keep it that way. <laughs> Some of the divers. It's possible that Ann and Bill were using unfamiliar equipment because some of their gear was Rental. rented. Mm-hmm. When that's the case, it is even more important to take a few minutes at the beginning of the dive to review your equipment and your buddies to make sure you know where everything is located and how it works. Right? And it's more than yeah, it's yeah. more than just looking at a weight belt and seeing that it's there, you know, looking at a BCD and seeing that it's on, you know, looking at a tank, knowing that it's strapped to the back of the BCD. It's more than that. Well, yeah. I mean, James, let me ask you this. We own our, of course, own our own gear, have for decades. I'm very familiar with it, but I still I do a, a really good check of it before i enter the water it only takes you know 30 to 40 seconds it doesn't take you know minutes even but you check that equipment right and you're familiar with it and uh not just throwing it on your body but, I mean, we but with a, rental holy moly I'd, I'd be doing a full well we know. have a routine right that we go through every single dive that we do of making sure the long hose that we are using is fully deployable, that the backup's in place, that it's breathing. Never just assuming that everything got hooked up right on shore, even Mm -hmm. though it's on you. I mean, as an instructor, how many times have you seen your students, even students taking like a high level, taking like a higher level class, like the essentials or the fundamentals that that come down to the water, they've just done – their little checks. shore pre-dive checks, and you're sitting there as an instructor looking, looking at them, going, "Okay, we're going to go do the dive," and you go, "You're going to let your teammate get in the water like this?" Yes. What? 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 Still got shit hanging out their pockets or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Did you Did you guys do the checks we talked? Yeah, we did them. Oh, no, you could not have done them, or we would. I would yes. not be looking at what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Your necklace is is over your your long hose. All that, all the silly little stuff, but yeah, silly little stuff, which is never a problem until it is a and problem. And then it snowballs. And then it's a it's, big problem, right? It's a little piece of the snowball. It's a little thing by itself. You look at it like, oh, this this hose is over the the deploying hose. Not a big deal. I can I can work through that underwater, but not when it's happening all at when things are happening all at once. Why would you want that? Yeah, right. And yeah. and this sets the base up for how you do things later on when you've got more than just a, a basic set of scuba gear. Right. right. You've got 
twins. You've got a deco bottle. You've got multiple bottles. You've got a scooter. You've got a camera system, right? You, you've got all of that, right? It, it, what you do in those early days to ensure that if something goes wrong underwater is an easily managed system, or I should say an, an easily managed procedure, starts at the, the early days. That's the building of the behavior pattern. That, and that's building the habit. And as I, I say this to my kids. I said this, you know, I always say diving is life and life is diving kind of thing. But I bring bring that all that teaching stuff into to my kids. But, you know, I say life, your human mind wants habits. It wants to grasp onto doing the same thing over and over. Whether it be playing a video game all day or doing push-ups or cleaning the house versus, you know, sitting around with your buddies watching TV or something. Your, your mind wants a habit. So if you just, and it, it, no matter what that habit is, it will learn to enjoy it, whether it be the, you know, 100 push-ups in the, every morning. Yeah, in the beginning, it sucks. It's just like, it sucks, but you build the habit, and pretty soon you don't feel right when you don't do it, and you actually feel good doing it all the time. It's the same thing with doing these checks. Yeah, it takes extra time, and they're, you're slow in the beginning. But as you build the habit, that confidence you gain, you the feeling while you're underwater knowing, I checked everything. And it becomes quicker and, again, you feel you don't feel right when you don't do it kind of thing. Right. You know? And that's where I'm going, I guess, is build that behavior pattern. Bear with it in the beginning. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I could be in the water already. Take the extra five minutes. In the beginning, pretty soon it's down to 40 seconds. Correct. You know, and there's a couple things you need to talk about before you get in the water, but also there's some things you need to do when you get into the water to confirm that everything that you were doing on the boat or on shore, or, cool. uh, mm-hmm. right, is still squared away. And again, everyone gets in the water, they got all that gear, they're looking at their computer, knowing that that no decompression limit's going to start talking to them. So they want to just get down and get to the dive rather than taking a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you're good at, at what you're doing, yeah. taking a quick minute and 10 feet of water before the dive even gets going, that yes, everything is ready to go for an emergency to happen 100 feet deeper than this. Yeah. It's all squared away. Yeah. Rather than just getting down there, rushing to it, and then finding out that, ooh, we did gotta... twist that hose around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've got a leak for my first stage because one of my hoses is loose. You know, yeah, you, yeah. those bubble checks you go, you do to each other real quick. Just look at each other. Do a quick check. You're squared away. Cool. To us, we've been doing it for a while. It's It just seems like a small price to pay, very small, for the confidence you get, for that feeling like I'm good to go. I, I mean, that ease of, of mind. Anyway. Yes, and drown on the bottom of the quarry with plenty of air in her scuba tank. Drowning does not always mean the person inhaled large quantities of water. Often, the drowning victim only inhales a teaspoon of water. This causes the larynx to spasm and close, and that involuntary reaction causes suffocation. Yes, laryngospasm. Very good, uh, laryngospasm. I was a... I was a person once with a job <laughs> i was a hu- i was a human who actually knew things i was quite impressive actually 
Now, did, uh, did did the paramedics ever have a room three twelve? We uh, no comment. <laughs> no, no, we had we had, we had ambulance. I was going to say we had the back of ambulance three forty one. Eight o'clock. I'll see you at ambulance seven. Squad fifty one. We had squad, squad. fifty one uh, in Rampart. <laughs> the autopsy didn't include detailed information on Anne's lungs, but it is possible that in her panic she inhaled a splash of water and then lost consciousness. If she had a laryngospasm. Nice. It would have made it. It would have made it almost impossible for her to take a breath. Yes. All right. Listen, we have we have three lessons for life okay. to take home on this. Number one: never. No, wait. Always <laughs> carry a litter bag with you in your car when you drive. Practice. Emergency skills. Take the time to practice emergency skills regularly. This includes mask removal and replacement and regulator recovery. These basic skills can turn a potential disaster into a minor problem that won't end a dive. Good one. Stay, yeah, stay uh, current with your your skill practice. Everybody gets that card and they just want to go diving. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, because they, they want to get to, you know, the, the 20 dives so that they can enter the dive master program or, or, or they want to get to that number of dives so that they, you know, have the accreditation for having quote unquote experience. But when you're just, just I mean, th- th- there's a balance that needs to be the, in there, especially in those early days of building experience, but also, um, really establishing the ability of all those basic skills. Yes, the the dive number is just that. The number of dives you have is just that. It doesn't mean anything. If you've been doing, you know, shitty little dives barely barely making it out of it, I guess. It, you know, it's it is very forgiving diving. And for the most part, the equipment is extremely reliable. Things aren't going to go wrong. And right. you can have 500 dives and never had anything go wrong, and you've never practiced any of the emergency procedures, and you still have 500 dives. Correct, and that's why I think uh, you could easily, you know, if we really went out and talked to every diver in the field, I would, I would bet you we'd, we would come across 500 examples of this exact story that didn't end in a fatality. Right. But but happened right along the same way, popped to the surface, mm-hmm. you know, and just barely did somebody like Anne come away with getting that regulator back in, and it just gets brushed under the rug, and we move on yeah. to another dive, another dive, another dive, never really taking care of any of the uh, under- lack of ability there. The underlying issues, focused, yeah. Yeah, get focused right back into just doing the diving. And it never goes into the stat books, you know. Right, it never right. shows the real... The real statistics of diving as i like to say the near misses the i barely made it um, those are the things that really hit home for me because when you look at the stats diving is super super safe but it's not telling you the whole story there's a lot of people that barely made it out and you know when we talk to guys like gareth Locke, 
the barely making it out thing can be worse in the long run because now you've you've established this new bar of how you can do things because hey i lived right it's be be familiar with your equipment whether you're diving with something new or with rented gear be familiar with your equipment and your buddies know where the weight buckles are and how to adjust and release them and it and it's so easy for someone to say well that goes without saying but it needs to be said and it needs to be taken seriously. Diving is very equipment intensive. We all know that. There's a lot of gear. You got to do your checks. But it goes more than that because underwater you have, you, you've lost hmm. uh, your, your typical earthly senses and, and ability to manage problems being that you're in this underwater environment. It's not the same. Right. Agreed. Yeah, I don't want much more I can say about that one. It's for for sure. It's a different different dynamic to fixing what would seemingly be a no brainer on the surface. Well, when you add water to it in in you know three dimensions, well, now it takes a little, it's a little more complex. And third, take a breath. When a problem arises, stop for a moment and take a breath. Think about how to handle the problem, and then act. It could save your life. Yeah, that knee-jerk reaction is never never a good way to handle it. Right, right. And I think there were a lot of points of this situation that warranted stopping and taking a breath. You know, not just, not just Anne. Right. You know, I would say mostly thinking Bill. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right from the very beginning of, of having the issue with the weight belt, you know, being able to stop, look at Anne, confirm that mm-hmm. she's where she's supposed to be, squared away, comfortable, communicating that, hey, I'm having an issue with my weight belt. Hold on. Getting that squared away mm-hmm. rather than just hurrying and fighting and fumbling and bumbling your way through issue after issue after issue out of control mm-hmm. boy that's a that's a tough one tough yeah. uh t- tough downward spiral of 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 problems it's the beginning of the snowball that's you know yeah. it makes the snowball grow quicker so. well another one another yeah a- accident in the books i mean uh in this is a very easily imagined scenario although it was real i can easily picture it in my head of what's going on yeah and definitely a listener favorite when we do these relooks at these old uh, lessons of problems underwater and how they led and it's it's easy i think for a, a lot of people to put themselves in these situations whether they they lived it exactly Mm -hmm. nearly step by step themselves or have had a a close situation or heard other stories it's easy to put yourself in the moment and see how easily things can turn and go sour if you don't have control of your buoyancy an understanding of your equipment an understanding and awareness of the the people in the water with you and where you're at in the water column right agreed that uh (laughs) The, the key there, again, is, is just situational awareness. And when 
you know, I would teach, I would be talking when I speak of situational awareness, it's a continual awareness slash management of three things and right. The equipment, the environment and the team always constantly. It's constantly aware and evaluation, aware and evaluation. Um, yeah. And at the beginning, it takes a lot of work does. To, to constantly be focused on that stuff. So nobody wants to do it because they just want to get down and enjoy the dive. Right. And yet what we keep saying is, no, if, if you get to the point where you've, you've overtrained your brain to constantly manage that stuff, eventually it's not even work to right. constantly manage it. It just becomes what you talked about earlier, that habit that just becomes the norm for you. Exactly. And you're always aware of those three things. Right. You're building that behavior pattern. And while you're, uh, I mean, part of, part of the fun is learning to, be, to have that, that mental state all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. And it's work. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is learning. And I tell you what, that learning and that work never goes away. Like, no. I mean, even for myself and stop. I know for you, yeah. it, it's, you're going to say you're, you still are working at it a little bit. All the so time. So that you, yeah. you're always... Yeah keeping it in check Especially, and whether it's because you uh you just got a new camera you I was got just some say, new, yeah that a camera new strobe mm-hmm. that you're adding that, that you're trying to figure something out or like we had a couple weeks ago is all of a sudden my light that i'm very comfortable with using starts acting a little weird underwater mm-hmm. it's so easy to get sucked into mm-hmm. thinking about that issue and losing your awareness in that piece of equipment right well, that's even when I go to, you know, turn my strobes on or adjust their power. I consciously have to tell myself, okay, I'm about to take focus off my team and environment for a second. And, right. And bam, put it. So I got to, a lot of times, I purposely manipulate myself so I can see my team and at least one member of my team in my background. Yeah. And kind of hold it out there so I still have an eye on it. It's little things like that. And uh, always would liken back to driving a car, okay? Everybody drives a car. You can relate to this. How, how difficult in the beginning driving a car was. Learning to manage that piece of equipment, right? All the, you know, the gas brake, whatever. It, it seems like, oh, it, it's oh, so minimal at this time. But in the beginning, it was a pain oh, in yeah. the ass. Like early, early yeah. on, like all, you, you look down at the speedometer and, and, you, and you veer <laughs> into the other lane, right? Exactly. Just because you've taken your awareness off the, the road. You know, a couple years later, you're driving with one hand on the right. wheel, one hand around the babe mm-hmm. sitting next to you. You know, your crew, you're listening to Journey at full volume. You know, Love and touch and squeezing. Wheel in the sky. Cruising in your Z28, <laughs> when the T-tops off. Yeah, baby. So, so there you're, you're talking, well, let's uh, relate the equipment you know, environment team there. So you've got your equipment, your car, you've got to manage it, whether it's just the basic driving or you've moved up to the stereo the heater the air conditioning the gps in it whatever you know the stick shift you're using a stick now whatever it is you're always aware of how that car is operating you you, you're you know there's a lot of subconscious going there too you feel if you've got a flat tire you feel a little shimmy while you're driving on the freeway the wheels need to be balanced that kind of stuff you're doing it subconsciously but you're you're aware of it and that comes after a lot of practice and then the team 
We'll talk about, well, who's the team in the car? Well, the team is everybody in the car as well as the other cars. The other right. cars in your lane, people left turning, whatever. Um, Traffic coming at right. you. Right. That's, that's team as well to a certain extent as well as environment. Your environment is... You know, the road, the lights, the traffic signs, the dogs, the kids, the squirrel running out in front of you. All of that is environment. But you learn to manage all of that and take it in, and it becomes second nature. You, you drive almost without thinking a lot of people. Actually, as a matter of fact, I would look out there and go, many people are dri- driving without thinking. And they're, I need to mount some guns on my car. That's all. <laughs> I can't, I can't right, handle right. it. But anyway. Well, that's, that's because they, they've... They've gotten right into the driving part. Right. They've succumbed it, to lack of situational awareness. They have a lack of situational awareness. Right. Right. Because they're looking at their phones. Right. They're right down to the diving portion. They just want to go yeah. to the diving portion. I just want to yeah, exactly. get to my destination. Meanwhile, you've you know cut people off. You've blown off yield signs or stop signs. You've not used turn signals and just cut in front of people. And, and you're... You're paying a lot of attention to that phone, you know. So, all of that kind of stuff. There's a real good, you know, uh, analogy between the driving and the diving. When you look at other drivers on the road, you're also seeing other divers. That's how yeah, they dive, yeah. you know. Well, hey, if you've ever shown up to your destination that you were driving to, and when you get out of the car, there's a Get on a ten speed, <laughs> <laughs> hanging from the bumper. You're like, how yeah. the hell did you get there? Uh, you might not be a good diver, right? You might not have the situational awareness for scuba to, to to be diving. All right, so let's let's, uh, well, let's give, give me your logbook. Let's, okay, uh, let's let's put this one away. Let me sign this thing. Hey, Brando, uh, great dive. Uh, here's an invite to room three twelve <laughs> later. Come up and say hi, dear dear Jamesy. No more scourges. No more scourges for me. <laughs> Too many Karens. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Safe diving, folks. Karen's. We had the Karen discussion at dinner about two weeks ago. It was funny trying to find out who was the Karens in the in our family kind of thing. We have a oh, lot of Karens in our family. Oh my god! See, that's the kind of family values that you end up <laughs> you end up becoming a Karen if you don't have these. Who's who's the Karens of the family discussion? There you, know? you go. You got to know what a Karen is. You have to know what it is to make sure you don't become it.